Welcome to The Shannon Plan. This is episode 81, episode T.O. We are in the combine portion of the offseason. So Kyle Shannon is not there. John Lynch spoke this afternoon, so we're going to talk about that. I'm joined, as always, by Akash. Akash, what's going on, man? What's up, KP? You say episode Terrell Owens. I say episode Anquan Bolden. Uh, to me, 81 is Anquan Bolden just because I grew up watching him, so... That, that's who I relate to, though uh, our producer Rob would disagree. Hey, man, that's my probably my favorite player of all time. Um, diehard Florida State football fan, watched him in college and watched him with the Cardinals and the 49ers. So if this is episode Anquan Bolden, episode Q, fine by me. Okay, so as we mentioned, John Lynch, he was at the Combine. He spoke to the Combine. He, he spoke on NFL Network on Wednesday morning as well and said a lot of the same thing. So we're going to get into his comments and obviously – we're going to start with Jimmy Garoppolo because that's where um, this that's where this offseason is essentially dependent on. Um, did he say anything? Let's start with this. Did he say anything that really, you know, kind of shocked you or threw you off guard or maybe caught you off guard? On the Jimmy Garoppolo front, I just thought it was interesting that he basically came out and said, well, it's just a minor surgery. Jimmy's going to be fine. He's going to be OK. And that's John Lynch being the salesman that he is. And, you know, doing his job, he's being a company man, trying to make sure that he protects Jimmy Garoppolo's trade value to all potential suitors, just letting them know, hey, he's going to be okay. But as Ian Rappaport and Adam Schefter reported yesterday, Jimmy Garoppolo has a torn capsule in his shoulder, which I'm no medical expert, have no idea what that is, but he's out for 16 weeks. You can't throw for four months. And, you know, John Lynch telling me that it's a minor procedure just sounds like a bit of a stretch to me. I mean, I, it just feels like he's making sure everyone knows that, hey, Jimmy's going to be all right, but he's going to miss the next four months. And so I thought that yeah, was Adam Schefter, Adam Schefter said he was reporting on the injury, and then he said this is not going to impact Jimmy's trade. And then in the following tweet, Schefter said, well, he's not going to be able to throw until July. What? In what world would a player who has to throw the ball for a living – not have his trade value impacted knowing that he won't be able to throw the football. Think about it. Like you got OTAs, not going to be a thing. Minicamp, not going to be a thing. He won't be able to throw a football until a few weeks before training camp. So it just feels naive to think that um, Jimmy's trade trade market won't be affected. And to be fair, most people have talked about this as well. And we've seen a couple of people that are on the ground at the combine mentioned team X is interested in Jimmy team B is interested in Jimmy. And uh, those two teams were the Steelers and the commanders. What, how true is that? Who knows? But I, I don't think it's far fetched to believe that there will be teams interested in Jimmy, but at what price point? I think that's what we need to talk about. Like, are they willing to part ways with something as low as a fourth, a fifth, like a day three pick? Because, for as much hope as, you know, a lot of us want the 49ers to, you know, receive a second round pick, like that's probably not going to happen at this point. Absolutely. I think after the news dropped yesterday about Garoppolo's injury, it definitely hurt his trade value. Um, and the timing of it all is just so bad for the 49ers because they're trying to move him in the next two weeks. The free agency in the new league year starts on March 16th. And the 49ers want to make sure that they clear his cap hit off the books so they have that money available to spend in free agency. And so they're trying to get a deal done. And yet now you find out that he's out for four months. And if you're a team that's acquiring him, you're acquiring an injured player. You're acquiring a player that's you know going to be rehabbing, is going to be out 
um, as he, you know, starts, you know, OTAs, minicamp, all the things that you mentioned. So it makes you nervous as a new team. And so I'm sure that's hurt the trade value. And the interesting part that also is kind of tied into this is that Jimmy Garoppolo has a seven and a half million dollar guarantee in his contract for injury, meaning if the 49ers were to release him and say he failed a physical, he would be owed seven and a half million dollars that would count against the 49ers salary cap in 2022. This was something that was like a contract trigger as a result of Garoppolo playing half the games in 2019, or at least half the games he ended up playing the majority of that season. So something that happened in 2019 still having an effect now in 2022 as the 49ers try to move him. I think it's going to be tougher than people expect. Um, I think the number of suitors are the same, right? The commanders, the Steelers, the Broncos, the Colts, potentially we've talked about these teams, but it feels like a game of chicken because they're all waiting to see if the 49ers will release them first, if some other team will make a move. And I think ultimately the 49ers have to blink first because they want to be able to spend that money in free agency. Do you think they'll blink? Do you think they'll be patient or do you think it'll get to a situation where the new league year is coming up, which is March 16th for those that don't know. And free agency obviously is on deck knowing that the team needs cap space because as of now they are over the cap and Jimmy's contract obviously would free up everything that everything necessary. So are they going to play the waiting game or is it going to get to a point where March 14th hits and they're like, we need to get these guys in on our roster. We need to make some moves. And for that to happen, we have to part ways with Jimmy. And maybe that way, holding out for that fourth round, whatever day three pick they would receive, because that's all the offers they're getting, um, isn't just enough. And uh, they're going to have to make a trade. Do you think we see something like that play out? I feel like it's headed that way. And I feel like I, I said this earlier, it feels like if you're in Jimmy Garoppolo's camp, if you're Don Yee, you're hoping that the 49ers release Jimmy Garoppolo. Because you know you're not going to pass the physical. You're going to have a hurt shoulder. You're going to earn the $7.5 million that are guaranteed to you because of injury this upcoming season. And then you're a free agent. You get to pick your new team. You get to pick your destination. More likely than not, you can sign a one-year deal that's somewhere between $15 and $20 million. And a lot of people are going to come at me and say, no no team's going to sign him for that amount of money. But guess what? He's a starting quarterback who's a free agent. Teams need starting quarterbacks. They're going to pay that type of money. And ultimately, if you take his seven and a half million, you take the salary he gets from his new team, he's going to effectively make what he would have made in 2022 with the 49ers. So it seems like it's a win-win for Jimmy Garoppolo because now you get to pick your new team. It's it's and on the way out, you kind of screw the 49ers. So if I were in his camp, that's kind of what you're angling for. And it just puts, you know, John Lynch and Kyle Shanahan in a brutal spot uh, with the new league year here in another two weeks. Yeah, they when they were speaking and Lynch spoke this morning, he said we didn't know anything about it when asking, did Jimmy Garoppolo know that he would need surgery coming in? So you mentioned the timing of it. I I don't think it could have been any worse just because obviously new new league years coming up. They need to make a decision in free agency. They also need to make a decision at quarterback. But again, like where do they go? Do they hold on? Do they wait? Um, I, it just couldn't have been worse timing, I guess, is the easiest way to put it. So with that in mind, talking about his potential release, we've talked about the landing spots as well. The injury guarantee isn't something that we've talked about. Can you explain that to the folks? Yeah. So when when a player signs a contract, there's different type of guarantees. Uh, There's like um, guaranteed if you're on the roster by a certain date. Um, There's just straight fully guaranteed. And then there's something called guaranteed for injury, meaning 
say you're owed $20 million and say 10 million of that is guaranteed for injury. If a team were to release you and say you weren't healthy, so you were injured, then the team would be on the hook to pay you the injury guaranteed. It's guaranteed for injury. So in Jimmy Garoppolo's case, his cap hit, I believe, is 26, 25 and a half million, something like that. 25. and a half. 25.5. Thank you. And so seven and a half million of that is guaranteed for injury, meaning the 49ers will owe Jimmy Garoppolo seven and a half million dollars if he is not on the team and he cannot pass a physical after, you know, the new league year. And so the 49ers, you know, what do they end up doing here? If they trade him, then the whole contract transfers to the new team, which I'm sure is what they're hoping for. But is there a team willing to part ways with an asset that the 49ers are willing to accept? One. And then two, you know, with the new league year, the 49ers have to be under the salary cap by that point. And they want that cap space to be able to go sign new players to their team. So do they just release Garoppolo, eat the seven and a half million, and then spend the remaining 18 million that gets freed up as a result of his release? Or do they kind of wait, wait it out and hopefully a trade suitor comes through and they're able to trade him? It feels like there's a 50-50 shot he gets cut in, you know, the next two weeks. To avoid that injury guarantee, right? To avoid, yeah, right. Yeah, that that's a lo- that's a giant loss. So, you know, we were talking about the salary cap and you know how much money these teams throw around. Seven and a half million doesn't seem like much, but that's essentially one and probably two of free agents that they could sign and come in to help right away. Essentially, that, it's way more than that. I think like Kwaski. That could be DJ Arden Jones and Lake and Tomlinson. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, Arden Key. Kwaski Tart and DJ Jones made like six million combined last season. So that's three impact players. Starter, like people that you are going to rely on down the stretch. Yeah, there's there's really no getting around this situation. But let's talk about it from the 49ers front office perspective. Like what were they expecting coming into? We talked about last offseason, you know, how they kind of bungled the situation. And um, there, there weren't a lot of good outcomes for this. And of course, on the field, it played out, you know, they're able to develop Trey Lance behind the scenes. They've made the NFC championship. But now we're in the hard part. Now we're in where money matters in the NFL. That's how you build your team with the salary cap. And now, of course, with that injury guarantee you're just talking about, you know, it's kind of a coin flip. Um, What what were they expecting to happen in this scenario? Because, again, uh, they let Jimmy play out the season. And I don't think he helped his stock when people a lot of the talking heads, like the national media will say, well, well, they made the NFC championship. Well, also we have eyes and we're all well aware that, you know, he wasn't the sole reason they weren't winning because of Jimmy. And I'm not saying they were winning in spite of him, but he definitely wasn't the reason in a lot of games. So I'm just curious to see, uh, or just wondering, you know, what John Lynch and the 49ers front office were thinking um, when they made this move. Absolutely. The parallel that everyone uses for the situation is Alex Smith, Patrick Mahomes, right? Jimmy Garoppolo, Trey Lance is very similar to that Smith-Mahomes situation, but here's the difference. The Chiefs were able to move Alex Smith without basically any trouble. They were able to move him for a day-two pick and a player. I think he had something similar left on his contract. The commanders gave him, or the Washington football team, whatever they were called at that time, gave him an extension, right? And he wasn't hurt. He was healthy. So it was just a smooth transition. Alex and, Smith never missed games. And that is a big, like, that's yeah. part of the reason that this whole comparison is just doesn't like hold any water at all. But sorry, go ahead. Yeah, no, absolutely. And if you're an acquiring team, you just look at the list of injuries he's had as, as a 49er. Torn ACL. He had a high ankle sprain. He's had a calf injury. He's had a thumb injury. He's going to have shoulder surgery. It's like the list of injuries just keeps growing. And 
you know, yeah, ultimately the plan in the, in the grand scheme of things worked because they got to the NFC championship game or half of it worked, right? It, the other half depends on how Trey Lance turns out, but man, are they being drugged through the mud right now? Trying to move Garoppolo, his money, try to get back some trade assets that are valuable. Um, it, it's a complex situation. And then the other thing that is less discussed, but it kind of hangs out there is that Don E is the agent for both Jimmy Garoppolo and Tom Brady. And say Tom Brady wants to return and say he wants to be 49 or whatever, you kind of have to accommodate to Don E a little bit and with all this stuff so you can maintain a good working relationship in the event that half of it comes to fruition. So it's complex. Yeah, there's a lot going on in the situation. Bruce Aaron spoke on Tuesday, I believe it was, maybe it was Monday at the Combine, and he said if, you know, essentially to move Tom Brady, it's going to take 5-1. So that pipe dream kind of died for not just 49ers fans, but anybody who's wanting uh, to see Tom Brady come back. Jacob just told us that the plan actually did work, you know, despite whatever people outside of the building think. I would love to know why or how. And by that, I mean, it can't just be something as simple as wins and losses. It's not be, just think about everything that's involved in this situation. We're not talking about Jimmy and the 49ers win loss record. We're talking about the money. We're talking about the relationships. We're talking about now. Think about the first 10 minutes of what we just talked about here. The injury guarantee, uh, teams being interested, teams not being interested because of that injury. And just, of course, the whole salary cap. So there's there's so much more to this as far as what we're talking about on the surface. And I'm sure me and you, uh, we're probably leaving out, you know, four or five things that aren't that are being discussed and we just have no idea about. So um, it what we see on the surface level, sure. But I, I just think it goes much deeper than that. Yeah, it's it's hard to say the plan worked out very well. I could say half of it worked out. The other half banks on Trey Lance being, you know, a really good player because they traded so much to go get him. And by all means, so far, it looks good. But we'll find out kind of over the next few years if truly the plan worked. Because if Trey Lance is good, then none of this crap matters, right? You don't care about seven and a half million this year, whatever, right? Ultimately, you got your quarterback, and that's the most important part of this. But right now, because we're in the weeds, we're in the details, it's important to talk about all of the facets. So Lynch spoke about Mike McGlinchey, and that is a guy who we really haven't heard much of, much from at all, and just from the coaching staff. And so Mike McGlinchey, we don't know if he's going to be ready for the start of the season. And did you hear what Lynch had to say about him? I did. And shout out, I think it was our guy, Jason Aponte, who asked the question. So good on him. But uh, I think Lynch basically said he's making progress, but we're going to wait till he's pain free to get him back out on the field. Um, I'd say that's a big concern. That's a major injury that I feel like a lot of people don't talk about um, in terms of tearing your quad tendon and being, a, you know, an athletic tackle that needs to be able to move. And so I, I think that injury is going to be a lot harder to come back from than people think. The other thing, he's on a fifth-year option, so he's guaranteed, I think, nearly $11 million. And so you can't necessarily extend him because he's coming off an injury. You don't know what's going to happen with him to lower that cap hit. You can't really trade him. He's got no value. You can't cut him because the money's guaranteed. So they're kind of stuck with that $11 million this season. And they just have to hope that he, you know, recovers and is able to play. But, you know, judging by their history, that has just not been their luck with players coming back from injury, not named, you know, Nick Bosa. So, but hopefully he's able to play because otherwise the right tackle becomes a need just with the way Tom Compton played down the stretch of the season. And you have to spend resources there when ideally you not want to. 
Yeah, so Mike McGlinchey, he started eight games this past season. He started 16 in 2020, but if you remember in 2019, he missed those four games during the middle of the season. So um, he, I'm not going to say he's injury prone, but he does have an injury history and expecting an, an athletic tackle, as you mentioned, just to come back from a torn quad and be ready to roll in training camp as if nothing happened or expecting him to come back, you know, better than before. Just that doesn't seem plausible at all. I don't I don't you know, envision that happening. So we talked about well, let's talk about what's on the roster as of now. So um, could it be Tom Compton? Sure. Uh, they were talking about Jalen Moore playing guard, their fifth round pick, or uh, was he fifth round pick? Was he sixth round pick? I get fifth round, I think. Six, maybe. Uh, yeah, he was one of them. Yeah. Um, so that he was supposed to play guard, but because of the injuries at tackle, he ended up playing tackle. Didn't get the nod over Tom Compton. Not a big deal in my mind just because he's a rookie, but that would be a potential option. But again, if Kyle Shannon came out and said, like, we wanted him to play guard, so I imagine they're going to try to work that with more this offseason. So it's it's essentially Dan him. Dan Brunskill's an option there, who's a restricted free agent. Maybe even Tom Compton. The right guard. Yeah. None of these names are names that would excite you. So it seems like we're going back to the well again. We're talking about with the 61st pick in the NFL draft, the 49ers select, and it's an offensive lineman that you just kind of hope plays. Uh, the 49ers, have, they've had a couple of guys mock to them. Um, do, do you think that would, I guess, a better way to phrase this, would it be a surprise if the 49ers went with an offensive lineman, an offensive tackle specifically with their second round pick? No, I, I always believe in investing in the trenches, whether that's a defensive lineman or an offensive lineman. I think that's where games are won and lost. So I, I have no problem with investing there unless it's, you know, Aaron Banks type pick where the guy just doesn't play right away. That's brutal. But I get the process behind wanting to invest there. They've done it with Mike McGlinchey in the past. It's just brutal because McGlinchey, a good player, you and I both like him. If he was healthy, you just slot him in at right tackle. You probably extend him to lower his cap hit this season and you would just try to figure out you know the Alex Mack situation which sounds like he may be coming back the right guard situation and then Lakin Tomlinson and you just roll but now you you know right tackles kind of up up in the air Lakin Tomlinson is a free agent Dan Brunskill's restricted free agent and then Alex Mack who's contemplating a retirement he probably has one season left so you got to think about center for the future so there's you know basically every position not named Trent Williams is up in the air and that's just a brutal spot to be in considering how well they played this season uh, as a unit. McGlinchey was playing very well before he was was injured. And there's no way when the team extended him or when they picked up his fifth-year option a year ago that they were expecting him to miss half of the season or more than half of the season now that there's 17 games. So um, just charting some of – Sports Info Solutions had Mike McGlinchey allowing two sacks this past season. He allowed seven in 2020. His blown block percentage was down from 3.6 in 2020 to 2.5 this past season. Like he was, and he looked like a better player. You could tell that, you know, he was just taking his game to another level. So um, unfortunately we didn't get a chance to see it in the second half, but again, I'm pretty confident that, or I guess I'm interested to see how he does come back because again, if they don't have McGlinchey, man, it's just creates another hole. And you mentioned Alex Mack, who knows what happens with him? Yes, if he does come back, then he's back. But I don't I don't know if that's necessarily the greatest thing just because down the stretch, uh, he didn't exactly play too well um, either for the 49ers. So, you know, they're going to have some holes along the, along the offensive line. Uh, Rob, oh, there you are. I thought you left. <laughs> Did you get kicked out? 
No, no. He j- he just wanted to zoom in on you so you ah, can, okay. uh, I like you, get all, you get the full screen time because I was saying. <laughs> so. Producer producer working overtime. What oh, else man. do we have on the docket for 49? So we got Mike McGlinchey, we just talked about it. a lot of Jimmy talk. Um, for me, I haven't really watched much of these draft guys yet. I just started, but again, just because they're not picking in the first freaking round, it's tough to get excited or um, it's yep. tough to get to watch some of the early guys because you don't, you don't know who's going to be available. So I guess we can kind of keep it free agents. Is it, Do you think that we see this team make any splashes in free agency? I guess now that the combine's starting, exactly. Are, are we going to start to see um, maybe – a player tied to the 49ers or is it just all going to be quarterback and Jimmy talk all week? I hope we get off of this quarterback and Jimmy talk. I mean, my God, it's been going on since last season. Uh, ever since they were connected to Matt Stafford, it feels like we've been talking about Garoppolo trade quarterback, et cetera. Um, the, the, you know, for 12 months now, and I'm just ready for that to be over, ready to turn a page and talk about other things. I do think the one player that'll be tied to the 49ers, Stefan Gilmore, Richard Sherman went on his podcast and made a note that, you know, Stefan Gilmore, he thinks is going to head out West, either sign with oh. the Seahawks or the 49ers. Um, I don't know if you caught that, but I thought that was interesting. I think he's just making a prediction, but I'm sure Sherm is tight with DBs. He probably knows, right. you know, kind of what the 49ers are looking for. He knows that Seattle also needs DBs. I know Seattle right now has more cap space, but I feel like the 49ers just offer more stability, especially on defense under, under D'Amico Ryan's. Um, and I feel like They're Gilmore's going to be good. a player. Yeah, Gilmore's going to be a player that's tied to the 49ers. They need a corner. I think they need a veteran corner. I don't think they can roll it back with just E-Man, who we like, and then, you know, either Ambry or Lenore or Dante Johnson on the other side. I think you re-sign Verrett, hope he stays healthy, and then you go make a play for someone like Jason Verrett with the extra cap space, give him an incentive-based deal, and you just roll it back with that squad. So I think I don't think they'll make a ton of splash moves, but I could see something like Stephon Gilmore um, maybe a third wide receiver. I'm sure they'll be looking more at like the cap casualties than the, the right. straight street free agents. Gilmore would be a dream, man. He is, he's outstanding. And a lot of people, first of all, bringing in Stefan Gilmore is not an indictment on Ambry Thomas or Emmanuel Mosley. Signing a defensive player of the year is not a bad thing and should always be encouraged. So he played eight games last season. And if you recall, he, he didn't play in the first six just because he was on the pup list. But once he played, for, once he was traded to the Panthers, he was outstanding. He allowed 43% completion percentage. And he was, it's not like he was guarding, you know, number two and number three receivers. So he still travels with wide receiver, uh, the top receivers in the NFL. Uh, he finished with two interceptions, only gave up one touchdown. He looked like a superstar. And yes, he's on the wrong side of 30, but I feel like a year removed from his injury, that you know you would just hope that he continues to stay healthier again um with a pass with the 49ers pass rush you would imagine that Gilmore would be even better so it gives them a guy you can match up with and then on the other side you have Mosley or Verrett or, I mean Absolutely. these are good problems to have if you know yeah. you have more than two guys healthy <laughs> yeah in the event that Verrett does stay healthy then that's a great thing and shoot yeah. if you have to play Emmanuel Mosley in the slide just because Verrett and Gilmore are your other cornerbacks and so be it get your best cornerbacks on the field but yeah, I'll be interested to see what Gilmore commands on the market just because he is coming off that injury. He did only play eight games, and he is on the wrong side of 30, as I mentioned, but he's still a primetime player, man. And I, Absolutely. Because he is on the market, you might have to overpay, but I don't think that's an issue. I don't have a problem overpaying talent. Um, John Lynch did admit that he's talking to agents, and that is tampering, but uh, they're going to be tied to a few guys. So what do you think Gilmore's market would look like? I, I believe um, Spotrac had him – in the 
12 to 15 million dollar range you think that's possible yep I, th- I think that's exactly where it lands and i would try to structure a deal similar to what richard sherman signed he was coming off of the major injury he didn't have the year you know removed like uh gilmore did but something similar right incentivize it you make all pro team we'll tack on a couple million dollars we make the super bowl we'll tack on a couple million dollars etc you know just add up these incentives which won't hit your cap in 2022 um there'll be NLTBE incentives, which are not likely to be earned incentives. And if he does hit those, then they roll onto next year's cap. So that's how I think you attract a player like Stephon Gilmore. I think you hope for a season like 2019 Richard Sherman, right? And that defense in general, where you got one all pro corner and then you just rotated the other side with Manuel Mosley. That year was a Keller Witherspoon. You just hope for something like that. Because if you can lock down one spot, then the rest of the defense is talented enough and they've got a really good coordinator. They will be a really, really good unit. So I would prioritize that. And the 49ers have spent before in free agency when they know they have a need. They did it with Western Richburg in 2018. They did it with Quan Alexander. D4. You know, they've done it D Ford. They've done it time and time again when they know they have a need. And after rolling out Josh Norman for half the season, I have to imagine they think that cornerback is a need. And they did it with Sherman a couple of years ago. I think they try to go, uh, that route with Gilmore. I don't think they go someone younger like JC Jackson, for instance, who's going to be super expensive, uh, et cetera. I think you just go with a proven veteran. Even though he's on the wrong side of 30, you just bet on Gilmore, try to get him so, out here. I think the 49ers have, you know, a little leeway when it comes to handing out these kind of contracts if they are, you know, if they are going to be incentivized. Because if you remember, they paid Sherman, even though he didn't hit some of his numbers. So um, I think they can get away with giving out those type of contracts. And yeah, it's, like it's just another, count, I think. Yep. It's, it's yeah. another way to just manipulate uh, what we see in the salary cap, just because there are plenty of ways to get around it and you can just kick money down the can down the line. And speaking of that, do you think now that, you know, we're a couple of weeks away from the new league you're starting, is it, is that Eric Armstead extension coming? Is that Jimmy Ward restructure coming? Um, because they can free up a good amount of money even yeah. just by redoing the deals with those two. I think I think they do end up restructuring both of those guys. And just to clear it up for the people listening, right, what a restructure is, isn't Eric Armstead or Jimmy Moore taking a pay cut. It's basically taking their base salary. So your base salary is basically, it'll be some amount of money, right, $20 million, let's say. And then they divide that by 18 for 18 weeks in the season, and they give you a check a week. So $20 million divided by 18, whatever that is, $1.1 million. So what the 49ers will do if they want to restructure your contract is they'll convert some portion of that $20 million, let's say, into a signing bonus. So Eric Armstead will get that money up front. And what you do with the signing bonus is it's prorated. So you just split, you just divide it over the number of years that are left in the contract. So there's three years left on Eric Armstead's contract. That $20 million will become, you know, $20 million divided by three this season. So it'd be like $7 million or whatever, right? So now you just saved. 13 million, for instance, but, you know, I'm making up these numbers. I don't know what Eric Armstead's numbers are off the top of my head, but that's, ex- that's essentially what a restructure is. It's just converting base salary into a signing bonus to save some money this year against the cap. Does it hurt you in future years? Yes. And that's why you limit the number of restructures you do because eventually you're just kicking the can down the road and eventually the bill is going to be due. Yeah, and that's, that's what they've done with D Ford. Yep. That's what they've done with D Ford. It's bit him in the butt because he hasn't played. Um, but it's helped them sign other players. And I think Armstead and Ward have proven that they can stay on the field. They've been good players. Armstead was really productive down the stretch of the season last year. 
So I think you restructure or extend both of those guys, lower their cap hits. I think between the two of them, if you did max restructures, I think you can save up to like $16 million combined against the salary cap. So I I, I see I foresee something like that. I'd, I'd imagine that's in the works and will happen over the next you know month. Yeah, between Jimmy, Eric, and Jimmy, um, they can free up over like $35 million, or it's, it's somewhere around that where, I mean, whatever they want to do in free agency, and then thinking down the line as, as far as extending Bosa and Debo Samuel, like that's going to happen, and John Lynch said as much. Um, John Lynch, his specific words were, when both sides are motivated to get a deal done, they're going to get a deal done. So I imagine we see something like that happen before training camp, whether it's both of them, whether it's one or the other. But – Again, um, the money to create the money can be created just by restructuring and just moving around money for Armstead and from um, Jimmy Ward. So it's not they don't have to get too creative. Um, what do you have any sort of dream free agent that you want to see the 49ers sign? Dream free agent. Wow. Really throwing, throwing me off here. Um, so obviously in the NFL free agency, none of the top guys become available. Right. Because you see a lot of things like, hey, Devontae Adams is a free agent or player, you know, X, Y, Z is available. But those guys never truly hit free agency because they're so good that their teams will just place the franchise tag on them. You know, if they can't, um, um, you know, if they can't reach a long term contract extension. So a lot of those top guys usually are taken. Um, If I had to go with, you know, a position um that the 49ers should probably address i would say it's corner probably right corner or offensive line i feel like are the highest priorities on this team and so we've talked about him but i would say stefan gilmore would be the quote-unquote dream free agent and because he fits a need he's such a talented player former defensive player of the year and i think there's actually a realistic chance that they can get in on that market so i would i would probably put that pairing yeah what you said about Sherman was pretty interesting If, if he's thinking of teams out west and if it comes down to San Francisco and Seattle, Russell Wilson, like who knows how long he's going to be in Seattle? Who knows if it's just going to be for another year? Um, no, but I, I saw that Russ said he likes he doesn't foresee him playing on the East Coast. But what did uh, yeah. what did Pete say? Pete was basically like, uh, we've gotten offers, but we don't plan on we don't intend on trading him, which feels like, hey, up your offer if it's not good enough. Right. What it sounds <laughs> right. like because if you're Let's willing to listen to offers, you know. Yeah, that's interesting because I don't because Russ isn't like a villain. He's not going to come out and be like, I want to get traded. He's not going to go Aaron Rodgers. Right. So right. he's always publicly going to say, I love it in Seattle, blah, blah, blah. Meanwhile, he's trying to work the back channels. What? So just the dynamic of Seattle and San Francisco, like it seems like both teams are going in the opposite directions. So one's trending up, one has a rookie QB. And while there's, you know, we, we don't know how good Trey Lance is going to be, the roster and the core around him, like they're intact and they're not going anywhere anytime soon. For Seattle, like, yeah, they have DK Metcalf. Yeah, they have Russ. But could you name um, a star defender that they have? Because Bobby Wagner, uh, he has not been that guy for the last couple of years. And it just doesn't seem like they're going to be around much longer. And, and is that's he gonna why. Be around? Are they going to cut him? Well, when I say Seattle, like I don't think that they're going to be a team that's going to mm-hmm. contend. I agree. And by adding Gilmore, they don't turn into a contender. By if the 49ers were to add a player like Gilmore, instantly a contender. Like there's no doubt about it. Nobody in the world would argue that because we watched the playoffs. Like teams attack them on the outside. Um, my 
choice would be Ryan Jensen of the Bucks. And That's Lynch cool. did just say Alex Mack is probably going to come back. Again, I don't know how good of an idea that is. And if we're always talking about upgrading, if we're talking about, you know, surrounding your guys with the best talent there is, think of what Jensen can do with a rookie quarterback. Think of what he can do for a rookie guard. Maybe, you know, another rookie guard if, if Aaron Banks and Jalen Moore both start. And Kyle Shanahan's offenses revolved around the center. Like the center makes the checks, the center makes the calls. He does a lot. He would take so much off Trey Lance's plate. And I think the difference between him and Alex Mack is Jensen is an all pro. Like now he's not a has been. And, and that's that's kind of harsh to, to call Mack a has been. But I just don't think he played as well down the stretch. And I guess he just looked his age down the stretch is the easiest way to put it. Whereas Jensen, I feel like is still going to get better and he would be even better um, in the 49ers offense with the, with all the weapons that they have. Agreed. We we chatted last offseason about Corey Lindsley. Remember, he was the he was from the Packers. We we're like same system. It'd be an easy plug and play. I think he went to the Chargers, signed like a five year, sixty ish million dollar deal. So I'm sure that sets the market for Ryan Jensen. Obviously, the 49ers have Mac. They wouldn't right. have both players on their roster. Uh, you could release Mac and save a good chunk of change. I don't think they'd cut him. Um, so if he's, you know, I'm sure that plays a role. But they did this with Joe Staley, right? Joe Staley said he was coming back. They made a move for Trent Williams. So I wonder maybe if publicly they're saying Alex Mack's thinking of returning, but they're also looking at alternative center options. Center is extremely important in Kyle Shanahan's offense. He values center and tackle play. So yep. if it's not Mack, they'll pay for that position, right? They've, they've paid for Weston Richburg in the past. They'll they'll pay big money for a center um, if Mack isn't coming back. Yeah, and that was just under the assumption that, you know, Mac doesn't come back or they do have another option and that's why Mac would be released. So, again, we'll we'll see if it gets there. there there's a lot, you know, coming on. Uh, Tyron Matthew uh, would be nice is what Milo Morris says. Yeah, safety safety is interesting. There are a lot Justin of good Reed. safeties on the market. Yep, Justin Reed would be my choice for sure just because he's younger. I mean, he played with the Texans, so he's, he's not going to have the same type of um, – Fanfare, I guess, is the best way to put it. Like a Tyron Matthew, I would, I think, uh, Reed would actually be a better fit and bring more to the table than the Honey Badger would. Um, but I also think the 49ers are going to go just draft a safety as opposed to signing one, just because, again, um, as far as safety goes, like the market for free agent safety is going to be, you're probably going to have to overpay for a safety. And I don't think you have to do that. Whereas a cornerback, there's, you should overpay for a cornerback. Like that is one of the most important positions in football. I think they could get away with a rookie safety um, to replace what Tart did. But again, um, we're just, you know, picking. Yeah, it reminds me of what the Chiefs did, right? A couple years ago, they drafted that Virginia Tech safety. What was his yeah, name? Thornhill. Thornhill, they rolled him out, right? So it, it, it seems like a lot more rookie safeties play than the corners play out the gate. So I, I like that line of thinking. All right, that should do it for us. Um, anything else you want to talk about? We got so th the rest of this week, it's just going to be the workouts. And as players start to work out, we're going to get more and more into the draft talk. Again, Kyle Shannon wasn't even there uh, at the combine this week. And that's because they don't have a staff to, to you know, convene with. They don't have guys to talk through uh, different things with. So 
Um, the more players work out, the more information we'll get, the more we'll start to, you know, dig into these draft prospects. But until then, you know, hopefully uh, we get more and more names connected to the 49ers as far as free agents and whatnot. So um, until then, I will be, you know, just keeping watching these draft prospects and see if I find any gems. Akash, you working on anything? Free agency, man. We've got two weeks left until uh, free agency begins, so it always it's always fun to see how the 49ers put their team together. It'll also clear up things for the draft. You know, you learn over the, the last like four or five years that you really wait till free agency to address needs for the team. Because right now you may think, ah, safety, offense line, whatever, but then the team makes some moves in free agency, and then all of a sudden you're like, okay, that's not a need anymore. So free agency first, salary cap, we'll talk contracts, all that fun stuff. Thank you again for everyone who's watching, tuned in, listening. Niners Nation Podcast Network. Do subscribe, rate us five stars, drop a review, all that fun stuff. You know the deal. Um, KP, where can they find you on social? Uh, you can find me at KP underscore show. You can find me at A-K-A-S-H-A-N-A-V. And that's it. Go Niners.